On the street that you got married to Bigfoot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what? There's actually video evidence. So I don't know if that's a rumor or not. Uh, it was by someone who was licensed and <laughs> ordained. So I think it's so official. It's official. Sorry, Brian. I know. All we're missing is just the paperwork from the, the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the marriage license. You know. Yeah. It's uh, it's an unlawful. It's technically bestiality. Technically. So, so I don't think it would ever go through. <laughs> yeah, although like we don't really know the what Bigfoot qualifies as. Tr- true. I mean, it's still yeah, it's still some sort of intercreature situation. A little shape of water. Yeah. It's, anyway, we had our live show, which is what we're referring to. And there's a TikTok it's which we posted time. of the marriage. Of the marriage. Oh, did you post it already? I'll no, I will. But by the time this is out, it will be posted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, another two episodes will have come out by the time that we did the show because we yeah. had to prepare a few episodes in advance for me to fly out and for us to to be together. So this is actually the first one, although it's coming out two weeks after. This is the first time we're recording since the live show. The show. Also, yes. this is your birthday episode. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I forgot. Happy, happy birthday to <laughs> I keep you. Forgetting. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday <laughs> to Corinne. That's not even all to the birthday tune. I just made it my own thing. It's fine. Happy birthday. I like it. Oh, my God. I almost said I'm 30. I'm not. You're not. not. You have a full (laughs) year. year. Corinne, don't age yourself. I'm so ready. I'm ready to be 30. My mom always says the 30s are the best decade of your your life. So Yeah, but don't age yourself more than you need to. Take your time. Enjoy the 20s. This is your last year of 20. One more year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, And then, yeah, it's my birthday. And then it's our anniversary of the podcast, not of our friendship, but very close to our friendship. I think our friendship anniversary is basically like a few days after your birthday, which is- end of August. Yeah. Right. End of August, which is right after Mm -hmm. your birthday. August is our month. It is. There's so much going on. Yes. Uh, This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. (laughs) Where am I again? (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I am Sabrina, and it is Corinne's 29th birthday episode, which you know Mm -hmm. what that means in honor of her recent (laughs) nuptials. Yes. It is cryptid-themed. Hell yeah. Wait, can I also say that when we were doing our live show, Mm -hmm. which was a digital experience, so the only people that were in the room were your husband, Nick, and then our friend Nico, who designed the set for us. Shout out. Which... Wasn't a set at all. We were totally in, in the forest. What do you mean? We were camping. There was nothing fake about it. Outside. We were camping. But I was watching the video back. <laughs> and I was like, why do I look so awkward? Am I a really awkward person? And I realized I look really, really shifty-eyed because they were on opposite sides of the small room we were in, in the like the, the opposite corners. And so every time I looked at them, I would look like way over here and then I'd look way over here. And it made me look so shifty because <laughs> I wasn't And then the cameras were head. in front of us. So we were like, which one do we look at? Which right. one is ours? Every time yeah. you did a good job of looking in the camera. Every time I thought I was looking in the camera, I was looking in the wrong <laughs> one. So, 
It's I don't like know. those um like the auditions for anchor like news anchors and they're looking at the wrong camera yes. and it's just yeah it's hard i know it's tricky or the weather when did you ever go to the the news station when you were no. younger was that like a school mm-hmm. trip you guys did jealous oh, that you did i don't know why we did that sounds fun <laughs> but we did and we got to go in front of the green screen mm. that they do the weather in front of and it's opposite which i don't understand how people ever get used to this but basically, when you're looking at the screen, you want to go like, oh, and the weather is and the channel's going here and the moves of the clouds are – that was barely right. English. No, I but get But you understand how like flustered and turned around you get. You have to do everything opposite and it's it's like back This is why car. we are podcasters. <laughs> yep. How did you Here we are. How did we We're here. Oh, Sabrina. What? I've mentioned this a few times to you. I went to the Cannibal Museum. Oh my gosh. Down in San Diego. Yes. And I and you're a convert. am not going to you spend this whole episode deciding to be Here's <laughs> It's almost like they want you to leave doing that though. <laughs> I am not a cannibal nor will I ever become a cannibal unless you need to I survive. Think. Sure. I hope. Right. Yes. The weird thing about the museum, it's very fascinating. It took me a really long time to get through it because I was reading every single plaque, every single station, every single piece of paper. But what's interesting is when you walk in, they basically have a section that's dedicated to cannibalism appearing in television and film and radio. And so you see kind of how the media had picked it up. And then you're almost in the – it's not really like a waiting room, but before you get into the main section where you can kind of like move around the entire museum, there's this video set up and there's this woman and she's speaking. And I don't know what they were trying to get across, but basically – the way that she was the way that she strung her sentences together and the message that she was trying to give i think was supposed to say you have to understand that cannibalism is a part of some people's practices and is used basically by like white colonizers over time to demonize certain groups of people and, and like misunderstandings and and whatnot but the way that she said it was like wouldn't you want to be a cannibal? Like, there's nothing wrong. Cannibalism. Ha, ha, ha. Join it's us. It's a part of the human experience. Let's all just eat each other. And I was like, oh, my God, what are we entering? It, but it was interesting. Well, wasn't it back it was in, like, the 1800s sure. when people would die of, like, random diseases? They would have you eat a part of their bodies to try to – they Ooh. believed it was, like, a superstition. And if you had it – and I'm probably totally butchering this, but I remember it being one of the lore – Pod, podcast slash TV show episodes, and mm-hmm. they would grind up the like liver or the heart or whatever it was, and then you were supposed to digest it of the deceased being so that like you didn't get what they got. I think so, which we are not in medicine, but I feel like they were on to something vaccine. because that's almost what we do now with vaccines, right? Like we take the dead version of a virus and this bacteria and shoot it into 2% ourselves. 2% facts. 1% facts? What are we again? <laughs> 1% history. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is 1% One, truth. But, but two per, 1% history and 2% facts. <laughs> and 2% milk. Um, <laughs> Whole milk, baby. Ew. Okay. You are on to something, though. So the museum itself was okay. very fascinating. I won't – everyone should go. I think <laughs> everyone should be cannibals is what we're learning. Everyone in R&B Hammond. But I brought some <gasps> prescriptions back oh, from the museum please. with me which is similar to what you were saying. So there's this one station towards the end of the museum where they have this sort of like apothecary dresser set up. Mm -hmm. 
and there's these sliding slots on the top. So on the the first slot, it basically says, what is your age? And it gives you like the age range. And there's some other things. It's like, what are your problems? So you're like, lack of Where sleep do I start? or stress or whatever. Allergies. <laughs> yeah. So you slide all of these things. I think there's five questions and you slide them all. And then it basically gives you, you have to tally up the number. And based on the number, you get a prescription. So it's like a 17 magazine quiz, and, but then you get what part of body, yes. of body do you eat? Great. Yes. So I grabbed the prescriptions because we were allowed. I didn't steal them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does say this is not an actual prescription, but I would argue there is a doctor's signature on the so bottom. So pretty I legit. that I'm going to head on over to CVS after this and say, please give me some mummy dust. Turn this But in, I want to read them to you. Okay, okay. Ready? So I can't – I should have – recorded what would make you take these certain prescriptions or or why you would want to be prescribed this. Uh, But I did not write that down. So I'm just going to read you these five prescriptions and basically how to use them. Okay. Thank you. Mummy dust made from historical mummies or recently mummified corpses. You take it orally as needed to reduce bruising and improve overall health. Because it's easy to get Skull your hands moss. on a mummy. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. They didn't specify what type of mummy. So is this like a mummified cat, <gasps> a mummified Grin. falcon? Sorry. I'm just thinking of ancient But those Egyptians, are even more you – know? yeah, I mean, as if that's even more accessible. It's, yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't Although know. Although it did say recently. Presuming – Recently mummified. R- recently mummified. Would you like to come see my mummified bodies in- collection down in my basement? It's just – ew. You just like crack a finger off, grind it up. Dust it. Caps. Put it in capsules, capsulate it, and just, here you go. Shoot take it back. back. Forget your wheatgrass. Just take some mummified corpse, baby. These are my supplements. <laughs> okay, there's skull moss. It's a fungus that grows on skulls left outdoors, which is similar. You were talking about the body farm the other day. So I'm like, mm. here it is. Scrape off the fungus. You snort it. <laughs> to stop your nose, please. Mm. Or you can apply it to wounds to stop bleeding. Interesting. Not what I will be keeping in my up little witchy corner. Humans. The same people who decided to eat other people <laughs> came up with this. Powdered human flesh. You take it orally for diarrhea. <laughs> I feel like this gives you diarrhea. What the hell? And you can mix it with ointment for hemorrhoids. <laughs> okay. Ah, very focused on the booty. This powdered human flesh is. Okay. Two more. Fresh blood, preferably taken from a young, healthy man who recently died a swift and violent death. And violent. Wow. That's really specific. I know. I don't understand. But you take it orally as needed to restore health and prolong life, which I'm like, interesting. I mean, that's kind of like blood transfusions. Someone who died. Sure. I guess. Or, or, you know, the classic, the evil witch or whatever sucks the soul of the young, younger living people to restore their youth. Yeah. And the last one is human fat. You can rub it on affected areas to ease aches and pains. Hmm. So if anyone's tried any of these, uh, I don't know what you call them, medications. Let us know. Yes, these prescriptions, these acts of cannibalism. Let us know. And we will report you to the authorities. To be fair, the like first, no, like the the fungus off of the skull, which is super disturbing. And also like Mm -hmm. where are you finding these skulls and why do you have them accessible is less cannibalism, right? Because that's not, that's a fungus. That's like having mushrooms. True. I mean, yeah, I guess to your point, it's just growing off of the skull so it's not the skull. So what's the difference between that? Where's the line between that and let's say 
taking a relative or a loved one's ashes and putting them in your underneath your orange tree and then eating those oranges, right? Right. The nutrients are, are all yeah. being absorbed into the product after. I I kind of always think about this, like just with how much dust and bacteria and debris is in the world, we're kind of always ingesting Ugh. like skin flakes or hair follicles. Yes. And then when you're swimming in the ocean, you're kind of swimming in a mass grave because the amount of people whose bodies were dumped have been dumped in the ocean, the amount of fish and sea animals who are dead in their carcasses are floating in the ocean, the amount of like mm-hmm. fecal matter and pee that is in the ocean. You're just kind of... Yes. We're always cannibalizing. <laughs> we <laughs> are the video at the end of the museum now. <laughs> We all do it. Come on, man. Accidental cannibals. Cannibal. I'm a cannibal. We're all cannibals here. That should be the, the name of this tales. episode. Accidental cannibalism. Cannibalism. Accidental cannibalism. Uh, okay, but to your point, there's actually the very, very last thing in the museum is basically this whiteboard with magnets uh-huh. where you have to say what, where you draw the line, what you consider cannibalism and what you don't. Oh. So examples of that are dust. Do you consider smelling and and accidentally breathing in people's skin, dead skin cells, cannibalism. Or another example would be if you cut yourself and you lick it, are you cannibalizing yourself because mm. you're technically you're ingesting, your, ingesting own blood. your blood? What about people who bite their nails or eat their boogers? It's all part of the human body. It's recycling. Produced by us. It's recycling. <laughs> For all you vegans out there, <laughs> stop doing those things. Stop breathing, basically. Stop. Basically, (laughs) it was interesting. Anyway, this is my birthday episode, so I wanted to talk about cannibals. And we can do whatever you want to do. Okay. Trying to see who's first. Me. I'm first. Oh, you're first? Yee! I get to sit back and relax and enjoy the tale of the cryptid you chose. Yes, it's kind of perfect. And you know, I was going to talk about, it was funny, I was like doing a bunch of research on this other entity. And I was really excited to tell you about it because I was like, and I had this whole intro of like, you know, now that you and Bigfoot are married, you're going to have to get to know these ancestors and like the whole extended (laughs) family. But then I was like, you know what? We talk about Bigfoot a lot and I know you love Bigfoot. And actually I wanted to talk about this. So at our live show during our meet and greets, we were asking everyone this one question and it was, if you can go on a date with any paranormal entity or or creature, cryptid, whatever it is, what would it be? And the winner mm-hmm. was – Oh, yes. I don't know why I have to open it because I already know the winner. But I was – I guess maybe I'll show people. I know too. Mothman. Mothman. The winner was Mothman. It was so funny. It was so close. Bigfoot because, was second runner-up. It was so close. Yep. But yeah, Mothman won. There were so many suggestions to the or, – or so many choices that people made. Some people said – like vampires and mer people and kelpies and just Goblins. all of these other cryptids, right? My favorite but was Santa I think Claus. What was that? Was the best Santa Claus? Oh my gosh, I loved that one. I think what I found most interesting was that the majority of people offered up an answer, but every single person who said Mothman gave a full explanation as to why they chose Mothman. And we kind of both agreed came by receipts. the end. We're like, oh, Mothman's actually really romantic. It's like take a ride on his magic carpet ride. It's his wings. It's like mm-hmm. having a private jet at all times. You can beat the traffic. And we kind of – You watch the sunset from the yeah. top of the bridge. And he's chiseled. He's caught Got a really good bod. Yeah. Yeah. It made a Got lot that of sense. Bod. It did. We understood. We converted very we, quickly. Yeah. After I think we're the converts. third person, we were like, 
All right, we're scratching out our own yeah. answers. We're putting Moth Mothman. <laughs> we this is yeah, yeah, baby. Okay, two things we've now converted to cannibalism and Mothman in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how we've changed. How we've changed. It's about to be our five year anniversary. Is this the shift that we make? Is this how we freshen up the yeah, show? Yeah, we were wondering how do we uh, spice things up. But um, maybe it's uh, not the seasoning we need to change. Maybe it's the content that we're consuming that we need to change. Or the seasoning by using mummy dust <laughs> and skull moss and powdered human I flesh. I am going we're gonna to have monthly change. Eat with me. All of the labels on my spices to like mummy dust and just like weird things. Yes. That I, only I know what they yeah. actually are. <laughs> Actually, this is such a good idea for Halloween decor, that right? Is a good Getting idea. a little sticker that you could take off and mm. you just transfer it over. It's a really good idea. Or I guess you don't have to put it on your spices that you actually use. But but I think that's it's good. fun. It's a little like decor. Ooh, what am I putting on my dish today? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so during these meet and greets, we were introduced to a new entity by our listener Kim. And it is called Amana Nangal. And I was like we got to find out because Kim was like, Kim was very quick about answering and was like, oh, okay, the Mananangal, because it can separate lo- the lower part of its body and just like eat people with like the tongue and stuff. And we were both look at her, at Kim, and we're, <laughs> we're like, like you want to go on a date with this? <laughs> but then naturally I was like. And also we were like, Kim, can you please spell this? Yes. So we could write it down. And so let me spell it for you. M A N A N A N G G A L. This shit is M A N A N A N A N G G A L. Mana Nangal. Perfect. Trigger warning: This episode does contain stories that involve potential gruesome infant death. Listen at your own risk. Okay, so naturally, I was very intrigued, and I was like, "I'm gonna look into this and do a deep dive and tell you, Corinne, about this entity for your birthday." So. <laughs> the Mananangal is an old and a very, very old mythical creature from the Philippines. It is described as scary and hideous, with the capability to sever its upper torso, sprout huge bat-like wings to fly into the night and Ugh. search for victims, which are often infants and men. Yikes. Yes. That is scary. Intense. The wings immediately, part of me was like, oh, Mothman. Now I'm like fantasizing about that after all of our listeners said that. But then I'm like, okay, all of the other parts, horrible. Yeah. I mean, picture this like half woman, human creature, truly like severed off, like belly and legs separated. So like I'm just imagining organs like hanging out of the stomach while these huge wings are flying it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, <laughs> nasty, nasty. Ew, ew, nasty. ew. Oh, I hate, I hate in movies where someone gets a horrible injury and they pull out their intestines. The intestines. That's nasty. And that's what I'm picturing. I'm just picturing like tubes of intestines, just like a whole plumbing system just plumbing dangling system. from the upper torso. Yeah, and they nasty. are long. Okay, so yes, intestines hanging out. The Mananangal oh, is faint. a female vampiric entity and is known as a Filipino aswang, which basically means an evil spirit that is vampiric, cannibalistic, and a witch that eats and sucks blood from her victims. Okay. Her name is derived from the word tangal, which means to separate, so very literal in that way. Yes. And before I get into the encounters and stories of, ooh, you are really struggling, aren't you? You're really thinking <laughs> about the think organs. About- <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm trying to not think about them now. Imagine if on my birthday I make myself <laughs> faint. That's not, I'm okay. Keep going. <laughs> I just gotta think about other things. Okay, okay. Don't well, worry. I'm about to. If I fall, I don't have far to go. I won't. Yeah, that's true. And I won't talk about the organs hanging out in for a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the origin <laughs> first. So there are a bunch of different accounts to as to the origin of the Mananangals. And in terms of origin, I mean, like, how does the Mananangal become the Mananangal? And a lot of the mm -hmm. traditions believe that, like, any human, woman, it's mostly female, can become a Mananangal. The same way, like, a vampire can turn another vampire into one by not fully killing them but biting them. So there's one tradition that says that there is a black chick, like a baby bird, living inside the person – and it is passed from on from the deathbed of those afflicted onto another person, usually familial. So it's like a tapeworm or a possession, if you think about it. And mm -hmm. if someone's mm -hmm. dying, it's a creature within the human body who's using that human, leeching off of them and their nutrients to to them, you know, become a vampire and fly off and kill the prey. Yes. Of course. Yes. So Logical. if I were to die and I had this chick inside of me, it would pass on to presumably my daughter who doesn't that exist yet. And kind of reminds me of the movie It Follows a little yeah, bit. Yeah, does have that. The chick resides in the body eating the innards of the host while keeping you alive, but it needs more human blood and flesh to survive, which is why it takes the host's body and then manipulates them to find victims and feed its hunger. Oof. Another legend says that one can become a Mananangal with a special ointment and an egg containing a black chick. You can chant a special incantation or spell and rub the ointment on your body while placing the egg in your armpit until it disappears. <laughs> so egg, let's see, what can I hold here? Oh, my, okay, this kind of looks like an egg. Okay, so like this, and then mm -hmm. you have a spell and like an ointment, which I'm sure is very specific, and I don't know what it is, and you're doing all this stuff. It's mummified human dust, yes, I bet. probably. And then you become a Mananangal. Another version of the folklore is very – this one's more similar to the vampire origin in the way that mm -hmm. a vampire's bite can turn a human into a vampire. It's said that if the Mananangal does not kill its victim fully – they then can turn into a Mananangal themselves. Mananangal appear as beautiful women. They find their victims, luring them in with how normal they are and how beautiful they are. And mm. it will then separate from the lower part of their body, organs and all hanging out. Their massive bat-like wings will emerge. Sharp teeth will eject out of their gums. And oh my gosh. they will flick their tongue, which is no longer human. Instead, it will be replaced by a horrifically long and sharp tongue. Like very, very long. I'm picturing a snake's tongue, but the fact that it says sharp. It's like is it a Mary Pop you know, like pointed? you know those clown jokes where they're pulling things out of their mouth and it like just keeps going? Mm -hmm. It's like that version of a tongue. Okay. It's so long. The sharpness. I'm curious about the the shape at the end. So it does for it to be considered apparently sharp, it's or is it like needle tapered? like? Okay, kind of like a cat. Cats aren't needle like. They're just their tongues are rough, like needles. No, it hurts. Like little tiny no, spikes it's like in their mouth. The this tongue is like a pencil. I have a lot of props today. I know you and do. The tip would be very sharp, like a needle. Okay, so it will take flight. Into the dark night, the beauty is gone. A hideous vampire-like creature has replaced what was beautiful. Some, It's interesting that it cocoons. The cocoon 
for it to become a vampire is almost scarier than the creature in the end, right? Because that's just like the way it morphs. Or is that the end result with the detachment and the guts That's coming the out end result. In the long... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So some legends say that like at... As night falls, they can just turn into – like they separate from their bodies and then they mm-hmm. sprout their wings, whatever. But then another version of the legend says that they have to rub an ointment, kind of like a witch or a spell or an incantation. They have to do like a ritual to turn into the Mananangal. But I do not know, nor do I really ever want to know. But while this description of a Mananangal seems like, oh, it'd be probably really easy to recognize them, at least, you know, while they're hunting, there are other mm-hmm. ways to sense their presence. So in some Philippine traditions, she is accompanied by a tick-tick, which is a bird, and they make the sound tick-tick-tick-tick, okay. hence the name, and which this actually- Not the same bird that you put the egg- No, different, different bird. Chicken versus a tick-tick. Yeah. Yes. Different bird. Yes. Got it. So remember when I talked about El Silbon? I think it was, I looked, mm-hmm. I wrote down episode 181. But you remember how like he mm-hmm. would whistle that tune and if it was closer to you, that meant he was actually further away. But if it was further, further away, away, he act- so same situation yes. here with the tick-tick. If you hear the bird really close- it said that the Mananangal is further away, but if it's far away, it said the Mananangal is close. It's such an unfair characteristic of these horrifying, like paranormal creatures because you don't really know. It just messes with your yeah, head. Yeah, it's manipulating your reality. How are you supposed to. Right, exactly. Yeah. I hate that. Yes. So it's also said that black cats and crows are also known to sense Mananangals and they will act a certain way and like get stressed when they're approaching good trust your pets two of our favorite creatures i actually was just thinking about this recently i desperately would okay not desperately but if i couldn't own a cat i think i would get a crow like a black crow yeah i think crows are yes crows and ravens yeah they're so cool. Thanks to Allie Ward it's, and Ologies it's weird for that, that because there was a whole episode about crows oh, and I became obsessed with them. I need to listen to that episode. It's so good. I just like all of the videos on the <laughs> internet of people befriending crows and how smart they They're are. They're so smart. So smart. Yes. Okay. So once the Mananangal has completed her transformation and takes off in flight with or without the tick-tick bird at its side, she will then go find her prey, which keep in mind, this is a, if you're listening and paying attention, maybe you'll learn how to defeat the Mananangal before I even tell you. She leaves behind her bottom half in a secret place where they transformed. So that's hmm. like a very important thing. They can't bring their legs or their, the lower part of their body with them when they're going hunting. So she goes off. And so the Mananangal knows that it's about to turn into a Mananangal and then finds a secret mm-hmm. place to morph. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I just had a sad thought. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when certain animals, like dogs will even do this, where th- when they don't want to pass oh. away in front of their loved ones. And so they'll run away into the woods or somewhere else to pass away. Yeah, this is more of like a, that's a very sad thing, but I think this is much more mm-hmm. of a manipulative, I need to go somewhere secret to transform into this monster before I go kill people. Okay. Because the bottom half, if it's found, would just disrupt perhaps it's monster someone's monster listening <laughs> okay so she will find her victim and usually the thing is that she so modern galls can exist in society in normal day like like i was saying 
They, you know, they do groceries, they go grocery shopping, they, you know, get their hair done, they do the normal things, they flirt with people. And so they usually find their victims during the day when they're doing their normal daily activities. And then, so at night, they take off in the Mononongal form and they settle upon the roof of their victim, of the target. Just like Santa Claus. But unlike Santa Claus coming down the chimney with gifts, the Mononongal comes through the roof with her tongue. She stays up on the roof and her tongue is so sharp Ugh. and so long that she can truly drill a hole into the roof and Ew. send her tongue down. And her whole body just stays up on the roof. Her tongue makes the trek inside and wriggles down to the sleeping person. And if it's a pregnant woman, which is one of the targets that they often go after, oh, no. the tongue, which is said to be hollow and fine and sharp like a needle, will puncture the womb and suck out the fetus. If they're not a pregnant victim, they suck the blood from their victim until they die. Jeez, some crow. And then this is awful. Well, this is interesting. This thing is a horrible creature. It's a horrible creature. Also, as you were as you were describing it perched on top of the roof, it brought me back to our campfire stories episode where Ed came on and remembered seeing I think he described it as some sort of like goblin like creature yeah, on, on the, roof. the roof of his neighbor's house. Yes. A little concerning. It is. When if it's not Santa on the roof, don't trust it. Okay. So if the male, if the victim is male, the Mononongal will sometimes seduce the man into a remote or private place and then eat them alive, saving the liver, stomach, and heart for last because those are her favorite. Ooh, ooh. And then she, it does seem like the most nutritious parts. Right. If we were going to, she's, she's all about talk health. about the human body. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. She's got to stay fit. Mm-hmm. Got to keep her wings Protein. healthy. Mm hmm. She often leaves her victims with deformed faces and bodies, which is terrifying. But I know this there is just- are ways around getting your vital organs, face, blood, and body eaten by a Mononongal. And okay. if you're paying attention like Corinne was, remember how I told you that the Mononongal has to leave their lower part of the body in a secret place in order to go hunting. Well, that is for self-protection because when sunrise comes, kind of similar to a vampire – the Mononongal must reconnect with the lower portion of their body. If they don't or they cannot, they will die. So you can kill the Mononongal by attacking the lower half of their body. If you happen to stumble upon, you know, a pair of legs just standing by themselves in the middle of the woods, or if you are in search of the lower half of the Mononongal, it is said to rub salt and ash or garlic all over its exposed flesh. Again, similar to a vampire, garlic and sunlight are the Monongal's weaknesses. If the lower half of the, bo- of the body has garlic, ash, and salt rubbed on it, the Monongal will not be able to reconnect, and so then it will be the- destroyed when the sunlight touches them. The unfortunate part of this is the chance that someone happens upon the body, <laughs> given that it's hidden away, makes me think that you wouldn't actually find – the chances of finding yes. it are very, very low unless there were already enough victims where yes. people are like, we have to actively go search. Yes. So there's still many – the death poll, the death toll is high. So my next sentence, if seeking out the lower half of a Mononongal is not up your alley, then you can also protect <laughs> yourself in your own home by keeping small pots – of uncooked rice, ash, or salt around the home. Those along with vinegar, spices, daggers, and the tail of a stingray turned into a whip, very specific, are said to keep away Mononongals. But 
Hmm. So that's the legend of the Mononongal. But I wanted to talk more specifically about like their origin and their meaning in the grander scheme of things in the Philippines and just like societal standards. Because I feel like oftentimes with, you know, with legends and cryptids and there are certain stories, they often come out of something else. So there was this article that credited the book Aswang and Other Kinds of Witches, a Comparative Analysis by Kathleen Nadu. And in the book, Nadu looks at the root of the Aswang, which is evil spirits, and how in the Philippines, women used to hold, and still do, but they held important roles like shaman priestesses, mediums, healers, midwives, etc. in ancient times. And that was before colonization. They also had some level of sexual freedom. So when Europeans came and were colonizing these areas, they basically were like, this is not what we're used to. And they sought to change Mm -hmm. standards to fit what their mold and like their idea was. Yep. So some people believe that they actually manipulated the story of the Mononongal to instill fear. So changing women witches from like this positive high powered position and like with women with sexual freedom into this idea of something with wings like the devil and being able to separate from the torso, which if you think about it, the idea of separating from your torso is like kind of separating from your reproductive organs Mm-hmm. which is symbolizing separating women from sexual freedom. Yes. It's powerful. There's. Did you ever watch New Girl? Yes, I love New Girl. Every time I hear a story like this, or just really most history, I always insert in my mind the clip where Schmidt goes, a white man, no! <laughs> because I feel like that is, that's applicable yes. in most history. And, and so much. And again, <laughs> right? it's just like a story of like white man enters the chat and is like, I don't understand what's happening here. Let me course correct to just make you fit my mold of what things should be. And now we have this terrifying creature yes. from the Philippines. But th- so this is all to say that the Monongols and the legend around them, it's believed that there's been some manipulation to like what they were meant to be or what they are now from what they are now. And it was just like used to instill fear of women specifically. Mm-hmm. But the legend of the Mononongal is still very much real and present in the Philippines. And women who experience miscarriages or stillborn births actually sometimes blame a Mononongal. And I think it's a coping mechanism to deal with the pain yeah. and the loss and the sorrow. There's actually a town in the Philippines that recorded a higher rate of miscarriages in 1992 that the whole town grew very superstitious and that and no pregnant woman would go out after dark in the village. Mm. Many Filipinos That's agree tough. it's most likely a legend, a superstition, that they would follow just in case. But there are also so many people who have claimed to see the creature themselves. And I have a couple stories. Ooh, okay. One woman said she saw a Mananangal while she was pregnant. She saw the tick-tick bird and sprinkled the entire house with salt. She looked out the window and saw the Mananangal flying away. Scary. But the largest story actually occurred in 1992 as well. It was a few weeks before 1992 Philippine presidential election. The town of Tondo, Manila, became worldwide news because of the rumors of a Mananangal roaming the vicinity. So a resident of this town, Martina Santa Rosa, reported being attacked by a Mananangal, and she went on record saying, she attacked me. I was just lucky I was able to get free. I saw half of her body. It was naked. She had long, scraggly hair, long arms, nails, and sharp fangs. It became a sensation, and everyone in the town 
was terrified, obviously. Another resident, Mm -hmm. Alfonso Bernardo, said he saw the creature fly away from Martina's house. And then this whole town gets together, and it's kind of a little bit like a witch hunt, and accuses a neighbor, Teresita Baronqui, of being the Mononongal. And so a group of men and TV crews go and confront the woman on May 13th of 1992. They knock on her door. Oh, my gosh. And Teresita is this, like, frail old woman. She's just, like, frightened. And she's like, I swear I'm not the Mononongal. She actually apparently was a victim of the Mononongal herself. She shows her foot, which has, like, toes missing. And she said that, like, the Mononongal attacked her and took her toes. And the men who were at her door had her touch the tail of a stingray because apparently, like I said, like if you keep a tail of a stingray used as a whip, it will keep away the Mononongal. So they have her touch this to make sure that she's not the Mononongal. She touched it. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. And she was acquitted. So I don't know what happened after that, but... If only everyone else that were ever, I mean, being accused of being a Mononongal or being accused of being a witch in in how we know it to have happened in previous Mm -hmm. centuries, it's so devastating. But I'm just glad that in this case, there is the opportunity to prove that you're innocent by touching this tale. Whereas in the past, here in the Americas, in the United Kingdom and a lot of Europe, it was just like, hey, let's stick you at the bottom of this stream. And if you drown, you're human, <laughs> but you're already dead. Yep. So it's proof you are you die innocent, Yeah. but you're dead. But you're dead. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> it's very unfair. So I'm glad that there's at least this. Me too. So but the presence – I don't want the stingrays uh, to be hunted. I know. For this purpose. I know. I, yeah, it's sad. So the presence of the Mononongal is felt throughout the Philippines – I still, after doing all this research, have no idea what Kim saw in wanting to date one because I don't. I know. But I, it was just like, what's the weirdest, strangest, yes, wildest cryptid I can think of? To it's end this. this story, I'm going to leave you with a photo, which is a potential okay. photo of a Mananangal. Oh, okay. Okay. So this was – okay. Well, first, I'll show you just the photo. Um, okay. I'm like already hunching over getting ready So to- do you see the – Circle in the window. Oh. Okay. But let's – it's like – Oh, it's it's kind of hard to see over the screen. Oh. But we should have our we'll editor, Aiden. We'll send you this photo for you to add in. I so really want you can. to see it, Karim, because it's like – it kind of okay. looks like – wait. Text it to me. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Ew. I have the heebie-jeebies. I have a heebie-jeebies. Ew. I like that. <laughs> Okay, it almost looks like ugh, <laughs> gross. I know it looks like the whole face is scrunched together. Yeah, and the the nose almost has it almost looks like a pig nose, but the the nose has teeth. The mouth has these jagged teeth, and then the eyes, the eyeballs are huge, and they look reptilian, don't they? Yeah, it could also it's be so creepy. just like an entity. Whatever it is, it's something caught on ugh. camera there, and it's scary. I've noticed when we record, and I get really scared, my back gets so cold, and I don't know why. But it's like all my chills just goes to my back. I hate that. I hate that. I, now I have a blanket with me just in case. Yes. Oh, that is gross. I know. That is – there are a few photos that we've seen that have really haunted me. Yeah. One was sent by a listener where – I can't remember if it was like her ex-boyfriend's mom took the photo. But someone took a photo the window? At, at the kitchen table of the reflection of Ugh. the demon that was standing behind her in the window. That one and this one – Ugh. 
and the the photo booth photo too. Oh, that one's- those three, I feel like I have a photo. Yes, when I look at those photos, it feels like you're not supposed to be looking. In the next encounters, I have a photo to show you, and it's e real bad. It's okay. Yeah, scary. Oh my gosh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what is this? Is wild. Yeah, the Philippines is a crazy place when it comes to the paranormal. Yeah. And I feel like they just have so many beliefs and so many legends and so so much lore that's a part of their culture mm-hmm. that the ghosts are very active there is all I will say. Isn't it the Philippines where one of our listeners told us during campfire stories? When the karaoke was happening next door? <laughs> oh, no, but yeah, that's awesome. Oh. No, I was thinking about when you when you're supposed to throw the lemons at oh, demons. Yes. Isn't that a practice in the Philippines? I believe was it was. There? Yeah. Yeah. Throw lemons at demons. Just gotta come out with all the all the stops, mm-hmm. you know? It's a haunted. Whatever you place, can do. So you gotta do whatever you can. Yeah. Truly. Whatever you have handy. My gosh. What did you choose for your birthday episode, Corinne? Okay. I was so excited. I chose the Fresno Nightcrawler or Nightcrawlers. And so we have I'm wearing some of our new merch. Yes. And by the time this episode comes out, we will have retired all of our old mm-hmm. merch, put out all of our new merch. And one of the the merch items that we put out was a cryptid cluster shirt, similar to the ghost cluster yes. that we had, but now there's a cryptid cluster. And we had originally asked Lindsay, who designed it for us, to add a nightcrawler. So there's a nightcrawler in our... Oh, yeah. Isn't there? Uh, yeah, I swear I think, in our cryptic cluster, we added a Okay, so this is the one that you had said, oh, let's add a nightcrawler. And I was like, what is a nightcrawler? And you're like, just you wait. Yeah. Are they like the just, kind of like... I mean, they look so silly. Oblong looking like long bodies, totally. little arms. Yeah. It looks like a, like a chicken, like a wishbone wrapped in a tissue paper. Yes. That's what it looks okay. like. It's very, very silly. But it was so interesting. So I was like, I need to I need to do more research into this. So that is what we're about to learn about. Okay. okay. So in Fresno, California, a man named Jose was woken up to his dogs barking one night. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and so taking precaution, Jose decided against going outside to investigate and instead Smart. checked the security tape. <gasps> So his family had recently installed a security camera over the garage door because they were concerned about theft and intruders because the dogs had been barking every night in recent past. So they were like, something's going on. And we don't want to obviously put ourselves. This was 2007, I I believe. So this is recent. This is pretty recent. Yes. Old and long ago enough where security camera footage was crap yeah 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 Um, but recent enough where it exists on Mm -hmm. on video camera and people had personal at home surveillance wow so the dogs are barking in the middle of the night jose gets up and he goes to check the footage and he wakes up his brother explaining that the dogs are alerting to something and together jose and his brother go and they watch the tape back what they saw has puzzled people for the last decade (gasps) A figure moved slowly across the yard, but this figure was not human. It was sort of mostly made up of leg. <laughs> it was like the Chrissy Teigen of cryptids. <laughs> All leg, baby. But this figure, it moved slowly across the yard. It had three foot tall legs that led up to a small bulbous body and the creature appeared to be armless. It moved now quickly through the yard, taking some wide, rigid steps. And as it moved, it appeared cloth-like with this fabric-looking skin that wrinkled and rippled 
with each step. I don't know why it's body I think pale white. Because you said Chrissy Teigen and like really long legs and like the way it takes like large steps. I'm just imagining like a really like mm-hmm. elegant runway walk. And you were also doing like a little oh, yes. hip thing. So I was like. Yes. It's very the Chrissy Teigen family guy. Mm. We just need a fan on. Caricature. Blow in the wind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking of like Patrick Starr from SpongeBob with his sexy fishnets. (laughs) You know, it's it's giving that. It's a vibe. It is. When you watch the video back, you're kind of like, that's freaking cool. But also then you have to realize, what the hell is this? This is actually terrifying. It's in my backyard. Did you watch the video? Yes. Okay. I need to do this. I will do it afterwards. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know if we can like legally insert it it in this video. We'll maybe add the link research, but it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we should do that. There's a ton of YouTube videos. You know what? We'll do it on TikTok. No one can <sighs> get in trouble on TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I just delete it if yeah, something happens. We'll just take the video yeah. down. Yes, exactly. Okay, so this whole thing is super pale white. So it literally looks like a sheet. And I think Jose himself had described it as like a walking pair of pajama pants. Like that's what it looks like to him. So rewinding the tape a little bit further, there's another creature Similar in shape and size, basically a replica of the one that was before, but it moved through the yard just before this one that had kind of bound through the yard, but it's barely moving. It's moving very slow, almost gliding across the yard. So you don't see like the big, wide, rigid steps that you did with the second creature. And the reason I first started with the, the creature that I spoke about first is because this video has been altered not altered, but like it's been spread around so many times that it's been shortened to this clip of just the second gotcha. creature that's walking with a wide gate. But there were originally two creatures oh. in the original video. So Jose then grabs a camcorder. Why? I don't know. I don't know if it's just that he was nervous that the tape was going to be rewritten. Right. If it kind of, I have no idea. But he videotapes the recorded security footage that his video over the garage captured of these creatures. Just extra documentation, I guess. Extra documentation. The problem being is that this is the only footage we now have. Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. So we don't, basically we don't have the original tape. Okay. So Jose, he grabs the camcorder, he records the security footage playing on his television, and then notifies the police because there's an intruder <laughs> in the backyard, yeah. whether it's alien or not. It's still somebody's something. here. Yeah. There's still something. So the police are notified. They come to investigate what Jose believed to be an alien in his yard. And he and his brother went outside and they noticed some small footprints. But the wet ground had basically removed all traces of this creature by the time, minutes later, the police had come to investigate. Mm. The footage was then given to the police and the media. The footage being the one from the camcorder, not the footage from the actual security camera. Doesn't that feel like the local the police should have taken the original footage too? It does feel like that. Hmm. Okay. And I'm assuming that the tape did record because in order for Jose to be there with a camcorder videotaping the security footage, you would assume that he truly did rewind the tape to to watch back. What are the chances he's there with a camcorder? At the exact time it's happening. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see. A local TV station that he sent it to was like, Uh, we don't know if this is fake or not. What do we do with it? So they called Victor Camacho, who ran a late night paranormal radio show, who's basically like sort of the local art bell, coast to coast AM radio station. And he also had some video expertise. So they call thinking that Victor can offer up his thoughts on what this thing is, what's going on, if the video was doctored at all. 
So Victor agrees to come in. He watches the footage and he questions Jose about it. But Jose is just a little weirded out. He freaks out. He doesn't really say that much. And the TV station doesn't give Victor a copy of the tape to examine either. So Victor's left without really a real chance of verifying the authenticity of this experience or the footage. So the TV station eventually goes, oh, well, it's a slow day, decides to air it on TV. (laughs) And it becomes an internet sensation. Oh, my gosh. The creatures are given the name the Fresno Nightcrawlers, which totally sounds like a serial killer name, doesn't it? Honestly, when you said that, I was like, that for sure is a serial killer name. Totally. Well, because it sounds like the Night Stalker. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Richard Romero, the Night Stalker. Or the original Night Stalker, also known as I think the I also Golden think Stickler, of Joseph D'Angelo, the movie The Nightcrawler, mm. which mm-hmm. is like a very twisted psychological film, like thriller, and he chases crime. So it already in my mind has the connection, right? Well, I mean, alien or not, it is a crime to trespass. That's so. true. These aren't criminals. (laughs) Yes. Cryptid criminals, baby. Here they are. Criminal cryptid. That's our new TV show. Yes. Criminal cryptid. I love it. Okay. We're going to Business ideas. (laughs) Add it to the (laughs) list. (laughs) So Jose sees the footage being aired that he gave over to the TV station and he calls Victor himself. And he goes, what's going on? Does this mean you know more about the creatures? What did you find? Right. Basically, like, let me know. These things were in my backyard. Help me. And the radio station or the TV station hasn't called me to say anything. So, yeah, he was just like, yeah, help me out. I don't know what's going on. I'm in the dark. And Victor's like, wait, no, I don't know anything. The TV station just aired it. So they get to talking. Jose realizes that Victor doesn't actually have a copy of the tape. So he gives Victor a copy. So Victor is now able to analyze the footage further. He takes the footage to the 2008 MUFON Symposium, which is the Mutual UFO Network. Oh, and cool. It's a very serious event. Of course. And nobody knows what it is. The footage is looked at and no one has an answer. Oddly, around the same time in Fresno, these tall wooden sculptures with long legs and small faces at the top are discovered in the area. Sculptures? Originally like people, wooden? Sculptures. It literally looks like the cryptid, but made out of Like wood. someone's created them. Yes. Or so they're, then they're just the working on self-portraits start- in the woods. Oh my gosh. Yes. Maybe they start out as the wooden creatures and then at night, similar to <gasps> the Mananangal, they turn into the actual being that walks around oh my and then gosh. they freeze again at night into their wooden state of being. I love that you're just getting <laughs> all cozy in here. I'm just a floating head. Blanket. You kind of look like them now. I look like them? Because they, they are white and they are basically made of a sheet. Okay. So that's essentially what it is. It's kind of like an alien version of a ghost in a sheet. Oh my gosh. Love it. So the rumors are starting and everyone's like, what the heck are these sculptures? So people are are lying basically and <laughs> saying, oh yeah, these can be found all over California. The native people believe in, that these creatures are earth fairies and that they come from the sky and they're alien-like and they arrived many centuries ago. And so these sculptures were made by the native people in this region in California and all over the state. And that these aren't really bad or scary creatures, Mm -hmm. but they actually bring good luck. Oh. And then other people speculated that the creatures have always been here, that they predated humans and that they live in swampy, boggy areas, hence their long legs. Oh. Because they can traverse the swampy terrain. So they can give a little fashion show to the fishies. (laughs) 
just fishes just like nibbling on their long legs and cleaning all yes. the little bacteria off of them. Cannibalism. <laughs> they can tread for hours. No, okay. Basically, it's all just totally not true. Okay. It was a lie. It just so happened to be that there was a, well, what's believed is that a local DMV had commissioned an artist to make sculptures for the land outside of the building. <laughs> and it just so happened that the artwork looked a lot like the Fresno Nightcrawler that was on the video. But don't you think that but then everyone that was like, artist <gasps> probably has been visited by the Nightcrawler? Like, what if, okay. Here's the oh, thing. Oh, the inspiration. What if they are alien-like species and this artist who was commissioned had been abducted by them in the past and they were commissioned to make this art and what came out of their mind was this, it was a subconscious memory mm-hmm. of these creatures. I believe it. Me too. 100%. What are the chances that they're in the same area, yeah. right? In the same state, I should say. Yeah. Mm, suspicious. Suspicious. Very. Awfully. Okay. So- it's not true. Potentially DMV or subconscious of the artist having been abducted mm-hmm. by the nightcrawler. <laughs> so while some people decided to plant maybe some fake evidence and to add to the lore, there are plenty more encounters that contribute to the very real possibility that there's nothing fake about these nightcrawlers. In March of 2011, caretakers at Yosemite National Park put up cameras to crack down on vandalism and attempt to capture the people who were doing the wrongdoings and trashing the park okay. at night. What they captured were two creatures very similar to the ones in Jose's backyard, one much taller than the other. Oh. And appearing to be nightcrawlers. It basically looked exactly like it. Just one was little and one was big. And some people were convinced, like, these are aliens. Other people were terrified that these things were clearly becoming more active because now, for the second time, we're capturing them on right. footage. They do seem and like some they people were like, are causing, like, a ruckus. Like, they're kind of just messy creatures who just... I guess they're just wandering wherever yeah, they want. Trespass everywhere. They're just... Yeah, they're clearly trespassers. That's their, that's their thrill of the <laughs> night. The nightcrawler trespassers. No, but... Some people were like, this footage is actually so adorable. <laughs> oh, there's a seaplane. Oh, there's a seaplane. Oh, I, I, I feel I like to I'm, look out my when window. We were in California where I'm like, blip. I went to look out my window <laughs> as if I would see what you're seeing. Yeah. I wish. So cool. But some people were like, this is so, so cute. Look, it's basically like a parent nightcrawler mm-hmm. and the baby because the one was much, much smaller. So they're like, oh, how adorable. That's cute. And then people yeah. were like, no, this is really scary. We do not know what this is. Right. So then in 2014, a 60-year-old man is driving in Carmel, Ohio, and when driving over a hill by the Carmel Church, he's shocked to see a very tall, seven-foot gray creature run across the road. An alien, he thought. And when he was home, he told his wife, and his wife told investigators, quote, My husband saw it. He's a skeptic, almost 60 years old, and a proud Marine. He wouldn't have admitted to seeing it if he hadn't been in shock. I had him draw it for me when he got to the house. He says it was this asphalt gray. Oh. Our asphalt is gray. And about seven feet tall. No arms that he could see, but muscular in the leg area. <laughs> no jawline. And its legs were bent backwards and it leaned forward as it ran. Hmm. Which is gross that the legs are going backwards. It's like bending. Oh, ew. Oh. Opposite. Very bird-like. Uh, yeah. So interesting. It is. I also think it's so fascinating that we as humans, to understand things, give them names and like try to make sense of them. So we give them qualities and then and like behaviors. But what mm-hmm. if they have their own names? Like I think about that with Bigfoot too. Like we call it Bigfoot because they are supposedly have big feet. 
But what if they actually go by totally different names? Fran, George. I almost, oh my God, I was about to say George. (laughs) Shit, I should have said it. But then you started talking, so I stopped myself. <laughs> we were about to say George together. Shit. I, you Ugh, did, you I did a, so I believe you. It's the, pr- you the proof. You all is saw there. it. You saw it. You're, we're not lying here. <laughs> okay. So, and also this guy's a Marine too. So, yeah. I mean, not to say that someone who's a Marine can't lie or fib or make up something. But again, it's, it's that sort of, there's that people look to people in positions like that to be like the ultimate right. truth tellers and the ones least likely to come forward with some wild tale of a creature alien they saw running across the street. Yeah. And he'd lived 60 years without saying anything like that. So these two, what also contributes to potentially this being completely a true encounter is that they did not make their identity public. Hmm. They just did their witness reports with the investigators and the police, but uh, they have been completely silent about who they actually are. And they did say that there were some odd things happening in there around their home leading up to this encounter. They had recently bought a place in the Fort Hill area, and a month into living there, the couple noticed in their front yard that there was a perfect circle of grass that stayed green no matter what. Right? Crop circles? I was very much like fairy ring-esque. Yes, 1,000%. There's something going on. So people in the area began to call this the Carmel area creature. So again, it gives... It's been given another, another name. name, even though mm-hmm. it's technically the same creature. Right. It was tall, thin, armless, and white, pretty much the exact same description as the Fresno Nightcrawler that ventured across Jose's mm-hmm. yard. And so these three accounts become very widely known. So Jose's encounter, the Yosemite National Park encounter, and then this Marine's encounter. There are several articles and videos on them. But as more sightings began to appear, though sporadic, researchers began to connect the dots on some older cases as well, realizing that the first time the Nightcrawler was seen was definitely not in Jose's yard. Researcher Albert S. Rosales found an old report from January 24th, 2004 that sounded eerily similar to the Fresno Nightcrawler. But this time it was in Manchester, Indiana. Whoa. At 7.30. So this thing is all over the place. It doesn't matter where it is. around. Bopping around. It's all over. Yeah. Which aliens can do. Yeah. They don't have to drop down in the same spot. So at 7.30 p.m., a 17-year-old kid is driving when his headlights catch a figure to the right of his car crouched down over a puddle of water. The figure looked thin, pencil thin, he said. And the boy drives past the figure, looks in the rearview mirror as the taillights, his taillights, illuminate the being, which is now standing. It looks to be over six and a half feet tall with, quote, protruding joints and moved very strangely. Protruding joints thing is weird. I imagine it like cracks. Yeah, like the bent backward knees. Like every time it moves, it like cracks. Yeah. And also, if you watch the videos back, I'll send you some videos mm-hmm. too. It looks painful. It doesn't look like a easy, natural oh. way to move about your space. They just need a massage. It's awkward. They have a lot of I know. They're tension poor joints. in their joints. For how flowy their skin is, you'd think they'd, they'd be a, a little bit more loose. Loosey-goosey. But no. Loosey-goosey. So he described the joints as buckled out, which again coincides with the reports of the knees being backwards and just kind of like these videos that mm-hmm. we have seen of the nightcrawlers. Yeah. And the teenager, he watches as the creature walks towards the woods. He says he couldn't make out any eyes or a face, but felt like the creature was looking right at him. So he felt as if they uh, were acknowledging It's one like when another. shadow figures, so if you, you just know they're looking yes. at you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You can't make out any features, but you know 
that there's don't love that mutual eye contact or I don't even know what you call it if things don't have eyes but our your your consciousness is being and your being is being perceived yeah you're being perceived so a few seconds pass basically he drives past this thing sees it in every mirror and then it's like holy shit he's in shock he pulls to the side of the road and then he looks out the back down the straight road watching where the creature was and where he thought that it had gone into the woods. Mm-hmm. So he can't make out if the creature is potentially still there or if it had dipped into the woods, but he's just sitting there intently observing that spot for a few moments. Then another car comes into view and it's coming down the road about to drive by the exact spot where the kid has just had his sighting. And as the car approaches, it suddenly swerves as if it's trying to not hit something. It's avoiding something in the road, on the side of the road. The car regains control, pulls to the side of the road just behind this kid, and an older couple is in their car, and the man speaks out to the teenager in a worried voice and goes, boy, did you see something back there? I'll tell you right now, that was no person. And then the woman says, it's no human being. It's no man. And they are flustered. The acting. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. The couple and the teenager, now equally spooked, decide to drive together down the road, even though they technically were were going opposite ways. But they drive together to a more public area (laughs) because they're fearful of this creature. Within an hour of the encounter, the reality of what this teenager had seen finally hit him, and he became hysterical, describing the alien that was on the side of the road. The next encounter I read about, I read on mysteriousuniverse.org from an article titled Bizarre Accounts of the Pale Crawlers. So yet another name. Another nickname. Yeah. A farmer was feeding her goats in Davie, Indiana. So again in Indiana, which is the same spot where the teenager had seen these pale crawlers, these night crawlers. It was the summer of 2016. It was around 8 p.m. And when she finished feeding her goats, she started to make her way back home. She said, quote, After I'd finished, I began to walk back. I'd crossed one field and was about halfway through the narrow path when I started to hear a rustling in the underbush. All I had with me was a little flashlight that had only shined about 10 feet in front of me. I was almost to the end of the path when I spotted something. It was on all fours with a bony frame, elongated limbs, and pale skin. All fours. She described its neck as long and flexible and then again, quote, said, Not long after seeing it, it noticed me and bolted down the path. It ran almost scuttling into the second field. And then she then ran, sprinted on a zigzagging manner back to her house and locked all of her doors. So this one's an odd one. Yeah. And it almost reminds me a little bit of the rake. It's associated with a nightcrawler. But this one maybe has arms. That's what's hard is like, how do you know, especially because there's no photographic evidence of a lot of these, like how do Mm -hmm. you know it's the nightcrawler, not the rake, or it's not some other completely different entity that, you know, we haven't discovered yet. Exactly. It is difficult. Yeah. Without, without getting the actual evidence or without putting a picture in front of someone and saying, is this what you yeah, saw? Yeah. Now I'm imagining like is a cryptid video lineup. You saw? Like, you know, you go to the yes. police station. Oh my gosh. Which the police lineup. It? Who did you see? <laughs> They're all in the room, like twiddling their thumbs. Like, ah, shit. I hope they don't recognize yeah. me. It's like, well, you don't, you're pretty obvious. <laughs> you know, you don't look like that many other cryptids out there. <laughs> it's like three humans, the three cryptids. It's like, which one was it? <laughs> <laughs> look normal it's just look like a human with like look like a human fake mustaches yeah. and then just in a disguise <laughs> the one cryptid just oh yeah <laughs> i'm picturing it so perfectly uh, i know mm. me too it's good if only we had the artistic ability to create someone like to lineup, animate this. the cryptid lineup yeah 
Yes, it's so good. Okay, so there are several paranormal investigators and experts who have examined the evidence and tried to debunk the footage captured and the question and question the many reports from witnesses. The footage of the two creatures from Yosemite, apparently, experts say, it is very easily created with CGI and it's considered now to be fake. Mm. The first tape from Jose's yard, well, we aren't really sure. Fact or faked was unable to debunk it, but Phil Poling made a pretty convincing replica on his YouTube channel, Para Breakdown, that suggests similar movement could be created with a fishing hook, fishing line, and a bed sheet. And a few other videos have surfaced over the years, many too grainy to make out, and others clear fakes. Yeah. Specifically for Jose's, it's really, really difficult to know because he took the video on a camcorder um, of the actual video, else. which was then given to the TV mm-hmm. station and then compressed or whatever, broadcast. Yeah. And then it's just been passed around again. And then it was brought to the symposium. And it's just the the actual tape that we have now has gone through many iterations yeah. of being shared. And so and none of them are the we original. We don't have the original. Yes, exactly. Okay. So we don't know if it's real, if it's fake in terms of the evidence, but a lot of people without evidence seem to be spotting these night crawlers. Mm-hmm. What we can't dispute is how many people in the U.S. have had encounters, some even in Europe. And so whether the Fresno Nightcrawlers exist or not is up for debate for some, but we believe. 100%. And and we believe in them enough that we put them on a shirt. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yes. And even if- We believe in you. Even if they're not- the same cryptid in all of these sightings. Like there's mm-hmm. something out there that looks like this and it might be an alien. Mm-hmm. We don't know. No. But the possibility of it existing for me is very high. Yes. And I'm curious once you see the footage, what you'll think, because anytime you capture something, whether it be a person mm-hmm. or a strange animal or potentially an unidentified cryptid being, it's scary because you don't know what yeah, it is. It's foreign. But at the same or, or why they're there, like why are they walking what through do they your want? backyard? But as far as cryptids go, I would argue that these are the cutest ones. They're so adorable. They seem so kind. Like they just seem like they're there. They're just like, like they're just goldfish around. just walking around. What's Whoa, this over here? There's no stories. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they're scuttling away. They're running away from people if yeah. they are captured. So it's not like or captured if they are seen. Yeah. They're not trying to hurt people. So it's not people. like they're doing any harm. Yeah. No, they're they're not like the Mananangal at all. All right. Well, now I need to watch a video of them because I'm very curious what they look like. Okay. Wait, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you one right now. Okay. Oh. Oh. It's like. They're kind of cute, right? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the the guys outside the uh, car washes. Oh, yes. But without those, the arms. What are they? The like little wavy floats? Yeah, I don't know what they're yes, called. But whatever yeah. those things are. The wavy man. The wavy man's. Yeah, like that's like the yeah, same movement. totally. They kind of like blowing with the yeah, wind. Yeah, it's kind of odd, somewhat. It's like a clunky gracefulness, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Where it's like it would be as a human difficult to walk like that. Yeah. But – it's interesting to watch. It is very interesting to watch. Wow. So th- those are the Nightcrawlers. Fascinating. Now now you know about now you know. the cryptid on our shirt. What was it? Like Mike's super short show? Didn't they end it with like, now you know, or something like that? And that, oh, maybe. I'm sure. I don't know. All of those things are, are lost in my brain. They're deep I in there I was going to say, I feel like those are all the things that you know and remember very well, but <laughs> not me can recite all of the Amanda show and most things from YouTube, yeah. but, and Ned's Declassified. 
But alas. But alas. Here we, here are. we are. And here talking about cryptids. I have a listener story from Michael, and it is called Alien Test slash Government Program. Ooh. Hey, uh, did you see this in the email and steal it really fast? Because I feel like if I had ever seen that title, I would have I must have. Snagged yes. It. Hey, ghostesses. I'm Michael. He, him. And boy, do I have a story for you. Growing up, I always had this memory that my family never remembered, although I absolutely knew it happened. It basically starts like this. On a summer day when I was really young, a lady was walking me down a sidewalk near near a busy road. I was kind of nervous, but I was okay with it because she reminded me of Mary Poppins. She had a parasol, Uh and she twisted it around in front of us while she explained that in the past, women used them as a sign of status. I was, again, super young, so I didn't really get it. Soon, we got to a huge white facility, and this is where it gets odd. She walked me in and then left, leaving me with two or three other kids in a waiting room-like area. My memory cuts out a bit after that point, but I do remember people taking some kids away from the room. After they took the kids, I was taken into a room, laid on a dentist-like chair, and asked random questions like, can you recite the alphabet? And told to do jumping jacks and stuff. After that, I was taken to a dark room where someone put those painful hospital sticker brainwave things on my forehead. And that's all I remember of the place, except for being taken out out by my mother with a flower-stuffed animal. And I specifically remember asking for the next few weeks if I had lice because my head had been shaved and I didn't know why. Now I have a terrible fear of hospitals, especially because I've had to be legally tested on several times after that. I've had these memories for the longest time, and I still have no idea what it was, and my family doesn't remember it, and it really reminds me of Stranger Things now. Anyway, keep it spooky, ladies, with ghost schools and no regards for the rules, Michael. Okay, this is very the Montauk project. This is Mm -hmm. very Stranger Things, right? The shaving of the head and everything. Yeah. And for Michael's parents to not remember either. Part of me was like, at at the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe this is a memory of a past life. But no, this feels very different. Part of me is like, is this an alien abduction? And the aliens have just morphed and and chosen their human figures. And it's kind of like they get to play costume dress up. And so the one alien is like, I'm going to do the parasol one that they used to do. Oh, I thought you were going to say that like Michael's parents are aliens. And that's why they're saying that they don't remember this. Oh, But no, the the one thing. (laughs) But but maybe. Maybe. The one thing that is hard for me to wrap my mind around is I 100% believe it was some alien test of some sort. But the fact that Michael's head was shaved afterwards and remembers like that, that's such a physical change Mm -hmm. that Michael's parents should have some memory of that at least, unless he had shaved his head for some other reason during like that time period. And he's connecting the two memories, but right. Or it's also, I mean, when you're a younger kid, I think every kid gives gives a haircut a go at some point, yeah, like a self true. haircut. So maybe the parents, maybe Michael had just been so fuzzy when coming back from it that the parents were like, oh my God, what did you do? You cut your own hair. And so that's their memory of I it. But, and Michael wasn't able to contest what had actually happened because he was just coming out of this kind of fuzz. Or maybe it's one of those things where it's like the human brain fills in yeah. gaps where information is missing. So maybe his parents just filled in the missing information and so it doesn't stand out as this really odd thing for them anymore can you recite the alphabet 
it's so weird. Like the the test that they have to do in the beginning. And it's very strange. There's a things. bunch of moments he doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. Which aliens. I mean, aliens or just I mean, could be some sort of government <laughs> experiment. I mean that's that's true like a symptom of trauma. Yeah, that's it's true. Not remembering, not remembering big gaps. It is so fascinating to me because like you know, in Men in Black, they the government has like the way the thing that like erases memories. Mm-hmm. Ding. And there's part of me that like you know there's a there's a rational side that's like oh there's no way that exists. But then there's a part of me that I'm like no that shit exists. Yeah, our memories are being erased. I feel like it's all hard. I mean, it could be. Here's the thing: there's been a lot of things in the past where we're like that seems impossible. Yeah. That's way too futuristic, or that would there's no way that could ever exist in the world without people knowing and yet things come out and then it happens we're surprised all, all the, time. the time if you're open to things if you if you believe in everything <laughs> you'll never be surprised that is a great way to live <laughs> your life <laughs> just like oh okay it, that's the key to adaptability yeah. just always prepare for everything yeah and then just be like all right i guess i'll go this direction i have an email from our listener debbie and it's called gargoyles are real just ask the one who's been following me for 18 years oh (laughs) okay hi sabrina and corinne i've been sitting here for nearly an hour trying to think of a witty fun sweet and all-around different way to tell you too that i so appreciate the pod and the safe space you've both created i may have failed at the flattery part no definitely not that was really nice thank you we still read all of the compliments people give us because it makes us feel good. It does make us feel good <laughs> and warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, however, I promise I will not fail at the what the actual fuck part. <laughs> I raised my hand in y'all's Campfire Stories 29. My name is Debbie. You can use my name. And Corinne, you tried bringing me up when I tried to unmute my mic. And all I heard was very loud static. Wait, this is Debbie. Remember <gasps> that one time where I was like, oh, we're supposed to bring Debbie oh, up again. Yeah, and we I, couldn't. I wrote, like bring Debbie up gargoyle. And we couldn't, but here it is. Okay, great. Okay. I closed out of the – when he tried to bring me up a second time, again, static. I don't want to immediately say that this is paranormal, <laughs> but I may have reasons to assume that it might be. When I was 14, I played with a Ouija board with my best friend, Becky. We made one ourselves using cardboard and one of her dad's shot glasses. Nope. We really didn't know much about the rules or what to do, and we put our fingers down on the shot glass and we began asking questions. Just basic things. Is there anyone here with us? What is your name? Does the afterlife suck? <laughs> Etc. We got nothing. Not even the littlest movement. We got bored and a little frustrated and we decided to stop playing. We grabbed a blanket, some snacks, and climbed on the roof through Becky's window like we usually did to look at the stars and talk about boys. When we sat on the roof, facing into Becky's backyard, her pool was off in the distance and was illuminated, giving off a very little light. Just below us are two garbage cans next to the gate. This is important. We lay back and we look at the sky. I immediately start to get a horrible sinking feeling in my stomach and overcome with what I can only describe as dread. I had never felt this feeling before in my life. Before I could say anything, Becky shoots up and I can sense something is not right. I sit up and I ask her what's wrong. And through a very shaken voice, she replies, do you see it? Oh, no. I look forward into the backyard where she's pointing. At first, I see nothing. Becky's still pointing, frozen with fear, says, why are there three garbage cans? (laughs) I look down and I see it. Three garbage cans. Oh, no. I know there were only two garbage cans. I passed them earlier that day when we were swimming. Becky then says, that's not a garbage can. 
It looks like it's breathing. Side note, this was in 2002. We did not have smartphones to shine a light onto whatever this thing was that we were looking at. Oh my god! That's when I hear it. The most guttural, deep growl. It was so loud. It felt, yes, exactly. Leia's like, oh my god, what is that, mom? It was so loud. I felt its vibrations on top of the roof. I look at Becky and she's still pointing, not moving, not reacting to anything that just happened. I didn't hear or feel anything. And she then said, something is in the pool. In I look up at the pool and I see what looks to be the shape of a woman hovering <gasps> above the pool. Oh, wait, so much is happening all at once. <laughs> it was too dark to make out any of the features. But the one thing that I noticed was her eyes. They were reflective like that of an animal just looking at nope. me. I feel like I'm losing grip on reality and I quickly jump up and tell Becky that we need to get the fuck out of Dodge. That's when I see it. Through a little sliver of moonlight and my blood runs cold. Oh, no. A crouched figure next to the garbage cans with the features of what I can only describe as looking like a gargoyle. I book it back through the window and into Becky's room, (sighs) Becky following directly behind me, and we slam the window shut, close the curtains, and just stand in the middle of the room staring at each other trying to make sense of what we just saw. I asked Becky what she saw and what she thinks that was, and she said, I know that this is going to sound crazy, but if you were to guess what a demon looks like, it would be that. I was just going to say. She then said, right, especially because there's two creatures. It almost makes me wonder, are there two creatures or is this just a projection? Uh, Is the demon able to split itself in two and create these two terrifying I mean, we've heard stories where like demons can like manipulate and have like hundreds of voices whispering in your ear at once. So like for Mm -hmm. sure, right? Right, right. Because it's the classic demon move to try to alter your reality and separate you from any other witnesses that you're experiencing this paranormal encounter with at the same time. Okay. She then said it almost reminded her of a gargoyle that you would see on top of old churches. Becky said that she saw the movement in the pool but couldn't really make out what she was seeing. It was then that I realized that what I had seen in the backyard was real. (laughs) My next encounter with this gargoyle was five years later in 2007. I was a senior in high school and I was getting ready for school like I normally do every day. I was sitting at my vanity buffing in an ungodly amount of bronzer into my face and that's when I feel it, that deep feeling of dread, that same feeling I had on the roof of Becky's house. I look up at my vanity's mirror and a face peeks out from behind my head. (gasps) That's right. A face peeked out from behind my head. Now, I know what you're thinking. Debbie, this sounds oddly familiar. And yes, you are right. A similar thing happened in the 2010 movie Insidious. (laughs) My experience happened three years prior to that movie. Oh my God, this is horrifying. The face was... I know! The face was that of a woman who looks very badly burned. Her eyes were sunken and very, very black. I wonder if this is like the same woman figure that was hovering above the pool. Oh my gosh, maybe. Yeah, because it was so dark, they couldn't make out exactly the features of the woman, just knew that there were reflective eyes. Her eyes were sunken in and very, very black. Her smile very wide, unnaturally wide. I immediately jump up and I look behind me. No one is there. My heart is racing out of my chest. I walk towards the door and it slams shut in front of me. I try to open the door, but it's as if someone is on the other side holding it closed. I'm home alone and no one is there to hear me yell or to bang to let me out. I ran to get my backpack to grab my phone and that's when I hear the most disturbing cackle. Oh. I had never heard anything like it. It was as if it was mocking me. I grabbed my phone. I called my mom. But what had answered was not my mom. Stop. 
It was the same cackle. Ooh, oh, chills. It was the same cackle on the other end. Oh, my end. gosh. I'm like – It was intensifying. Holding on to Getting the louder and louder, and then it stopped. And then I heard a woman in a very angry voice yell, I will take what is mine. I threw my phone down and once again <laughs> ran for my door. Luckily, it opened, and I made a beeline to the landing of my staircase and immediately stopped dead in my tracks. What, looking back at me from the bottom of the stairs, was that gargoyle. That same one I saw at Becky's years prior, clear as day. I ran to my parents' room and I locked the door and hid under the covers until my mom got home hours later. After that encounter, small things started to happen around the house. Knocks, whispering, very, very vivid, horrific night terrors. Things that would be moved in my room when I knew that they shouldn't have been. Cabinets would be opened and slammed. My pictures on the wall would be flipped around. The clanking of the hangers in my closet as if someone ran their fingers along them, etc. This is I learned to just ignore. Literally, this is- Nonstop. This is almost reverse for what usually happens. And normally it's like little noises and creaks and knocking. And then it builds up to these encounters where you're actually seeing the creatures and hearing the creatures. But this is... It just all this happening. This was like, oh my God. Yeah. These odd occurrences happened in every house and apartment that I lived in. Some activity being dormant for months, years even. However, I noticed whenever I discuss the paranormal and acknowledge it, things really ramp up. Maybe that's why Debbie couldn't get on to campfire oh, stories. because... Just getting blocked can't talk out. about it, which makes me think that like mm-hmm. something good is saying like don't talk about it because it's gonna make it worse. Oh, maybe yeah, yeah. Just giving full static to try to prevent Debbie from. Right. Well, too late because <laughs> <laughs> Debbie emailed and now I'm reading it. My last encounter happened December 31st, Halloween, oh. 2020. I was admitted to the hospital for severe chest pain. Did and you say breathing. December 31st? I nasty- and you just said Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Halloween is on my mind. New Year's Eve? It's not October 31st. It was December <laughs> It took me a second 31st. to process that. I was like, I think you said December. You're right. It was <laughs> December. I just really want it to be Halloween. So I'm like, 31st of October? Halloween. Of course, my favorite day. Yes. Halloween. Okay. Yeah, no, it was New Year's <laughs> Eve. I was admitted to the hospital for severe chest pain and trouble breathing. I had a nasty case of pneumonia due to COVID and my entire left lung filled with infectious oh fluid and none of the antibiotics were helping. That's when I had to have immediate surgery on my lung and have the fluids drained because the infectious fluid kept accumulating and my oxygen kept dropping. The night before my surgery, I had a dream. A terrible, terrible dream of a woman with a severely burnt face, black eyes, and an evil grimace. The same face of the woman that I saw behind my head all those years ago. She had her hands inside of my chest. She was squeezing. She said to me in the most evil voice that I wasn't going to wake up from the surgery and that she was going to make sure of it. And then that cackle. (gasps) I woke up and was in sheer panic. I called my husband and told him everything and he assured me everything would be okay, that the medication I'm on is probably just causing these dreams. No way. That dream felt so real. Yeah. And it felt like she was in the room with me. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Fast forward to the surgery. I am laying on the operating table, talking to the surgeon and my anesthesiologist about the procedure, and the anesthesiologist puts the mask on me and tells me, see you soon. My heart is pounding. Oh, my gosh. All I can think about was the dream the night before. And in my mind, I knew that was it. I felt tears welling, and right before I fell asleep, I looked over at the surgical techs folding something, then directly behind them. I see it. The gargoyle staring at me, and then I go to sleep. 
I wake up in the recovery room. I'm alive. The procedure that should have only taken two hours ended up taking eight due to complications. Now I will leave you with this. What does the gargoyle symbolize? Well, I suppose it depends on who you ask. Guardianship and to ward off evil spirits or malevolent and chaotic evil creatures? Malevolent, evil, chaotic creatures. 100%. No one can say that this is guardianship. No. After hearing this. Okay. My question also is like, what about Becky? Is Becky being haunted by this thing still too? Or is it just Debbie? Oh, that's so interesting. Because they they were friends together. in, in what, like high school? So Yeah. Right. A lot of people lose touch after high school. You know, there's diverging paths and lives. And it's just natural that a lot of people lose touch. So I'm curious. Yeah. Now now that you say that, if Becky and Debbie... And this is another example... Ever chatted after that? ...of why you don't play with Ouija boards. Yep. I mean, this is almost 20 years later. It, it's definitely... Again, it's coming up in this episode. But the way that this is descri- this creature is described is reminding me of all of those pictures that we just talked about earlier. That have haunted me forever, ever since we saw them. This sounds like that. Yeah, but imagine living it. Like, we're, we're just haunted by the photos. Yes. The idea of actually living this, <sighs> it's a nightmare. It is a true nightmare. Debbie, I'm so glad you did wake up from that surgery. I yeah. hate this entity. It gets so close, too. Yeah. The fact that it's behind her head in the mirror. And I, it's not just in a dream. I mean, it'd still be horrifying for it to be in a dream or across the yard but it it can be any distance or any closeness in her waking life in her sleeping life it's terrifying i also feel like the gargoyle and the woman are the same entity like that i truly believe Mm -hmm. that i think it's just appearing in different shapes and it really does seem demonic it does make me wonder i mean debbie keeps describing it as gargoyle is it and it does make me wonder if maybe gargoyles are Demons, Demons or can Ouija boards open up to more than just the spirit realm like we talk about? Right. Are other magical, mystical beings able to come through? Well, in in my studies of demons, which is very minimal, there is a <laughs> lot of – they do look gargoyle-like. And then they can mm-hmm. manipulate what they look like in order to, you know, trick the person that they're targeting. Yeah. And using a Ouija board, it is opening up a channel, a portal of sorts. So no, who knows where that portal starts or ends, you know? I hate it. It's a risk. I hate it so much. Me too. Ugh, such a good one. Debbie, thank you for emailing that. <laughs> but to us. so I'm sorry you're you didn't dealing to, with it. Oh my gosh. I'm glad actually that Debbie emailed it to us because I mean, I don't think we would have ever stopped our campfire stories for saying all of this, but I'm glad we got all the details yeah. that we did. And I feel like sometimes when you're retelling a story in person, it's easy to forget some of those yeah. like, juicy details that when you're writing, you can go back and be like, get oh, this everything in it. That, or that happened. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Horrifying. All right. Well, happy birthday, Corinne. <laughs> Thanks. What an episode. Cannibalism and cryptids. Mm. My favorite episode. Uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> Makes <Tasty>. me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had an ad. You know what this to- made me nope. think of? Instead of like, you know how they have like chicken, dinosaur chicken nuggets? Mm-hmm. They should make cryptid chicken they nuggets. They should. Oh, I wish we were a huge podcast where we can brands make would this want happen. to partner us yeah. with stuff on that. Yeah, right. We're just a little, we're just two little we're indie just girls. just little podcasters. Help us. We're just little tiny podcasters. I'm just a baby. He's <laughs> just a baby. Oh my gosh. Well, that's us. 
Thank you, everyone, for Leia joining us. Is She's like, time to done. eat. I'm done. Time to eat. Thank you all for joining us. If you have any encounters with cryptids or paranormal or anything creepy and strange and unusual, please email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com or and also or either way, join us on Campfire Stories on Spotify Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern and share them there. We have merch. We have Patreon, we have social media, and we also have a brand new website, which you can join to become a part of the pyramid scheme even further than Patreon or subscribing and reading and reviewing will get you, which is that you will get our newsletter. And the newsletter is something that only comes out when we have something to tell you. (laughs) So it's not going to be spammy. I was like, are we we making a newsletter? I don't know what we're going to do with that. Nope. No, it's like live shows and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just stuff like that. So a few times a year, you'll probably get something in your inbox. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) There's not like a dear diary. (laughs) Unless you want it. (laughs) That's not happening. No. And then we'll have ghost writing because ain't nobody got time We don't have time for that. Thank you so much to Aiden Manning, Eric Foster, Max Lodian, and the entire team at Fire Digital for editing our podcast. We're very grateful for you. And uh, we're on YouTube. Check us out. Like, subscribe, comment. Ayo. Tell us your favorite cryptid. Who would you want to go on a date with? All the, all those things. <laughs> comment below. That's your normal thing. Comment below. Well, we do hope to see you on the side. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Bye. Bye.